T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome in on a Monday, June 12th, 2023. It's the Gabe Coon Show. It's time for the Gabe Coon Show. I am Gabe Coon, your host on Twitter at G underscore Coon 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on Twitter at CDunning929, decked out in his old FM 100 gear, man. Yes, sir. Gotta love it. Yes, sir. Gotta love it. And you posted a whole lot today. It's an end of an era, man. It is, F- man. 100 means know, a lot a, to the there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people, including me, you. It's an emotional day. It really is an emotional day around here. But uh, you were posting a whole lot of stuff. Your dad fouled Michael Bolton hard. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of my favorite stories of At all a time. Bolton, so, FM 100 uh, um, celebrity game, if you will. Yeah, so, so for people that don't know, my dad, one of his first jobs was working in promotions in FM 100, very similar to like how I was hired mm-hmm. out, of, out of college from Memphis to come here and work in promotions. And one of the events that they used to do back in the day is Michael Bolton, when he would tour, he liked to play basketball in every single city he went to. He was a, a known hooper, Michael Bolton. Yeah. Um, so whenever he was coming to Memphis, they decided to set up a charity basketball event at White Station. And it was huge and successful. It was packed out. You know, there's, you can ask, if you ask, People that were there, they'll tell you a different number of people that were there, but it was a lot, a lot of people. Right. And Michael Bolton had a fast break. Isn't one of the open. numbers they said, by the way, 15,000? Yes, that's Come one on. of the rumors. I'm not sure Come if that's... Come uh... <laughs> I need confirmation on that. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, but... <laughs> fast break. But, but, yes, so Michael Bolton was on a fast break, and my dad decided that in Memphis, no one gets easy layups. <laughs> so he fouled the absolute hell out of Michael Bolton on a fast break That's awesome. layup, put him on the ground. That's such a good and story. And the best part about that story is my dad texted me today, and he was like, by the way, <laughs> he said, by the way, ball don't lie, he missed the free throws. <laughs> Which means my dad does not think he fouled him. <laughs> he didn't thinks he, he blocked say, like, the shot. Didn't he, didn't he also say two seconds after this picture was taken, yeah, he said, Michael Bolton yeah. was flat on so his face? my parents sent me the picture. Because I, I was posting a bunch because, like, my parents, you know. He had to draw blood. He had yeah. to draw blood. Well, no, my, no easy layups. When my parents were first dating, you know, they were going to FM 100 events and, and things like that. So it, it's, it means a lot to our family. So, um, But, yeah, when they sent me the picture, my dad said, 
two seconds after this photo, Michael Bolton was on the ground. And I was like, hell yeah, grit and grind. So really, grit and grind started with my dad. So Tony Allen is actually the grind son, and my dad's the grind father. Oh, That's how that works. Okay. All right. Three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. That's enough of that. We can't. Come on. That's insane. But you know what? That's, that's oh, hard Because defense. I'm being completely serious when that's I say hard, that. That's, yes. that's hard defense. Yeah. I respect it. Hard D. It. I respect it. <laughs> oh, God. Be careful now. Be careful now. Well, that's but, how I got here. Um, <laughs> we have plenty on the way, and we're going to open with, uh, I guess, more Source Wars talk. But, I, I mean, this has become so hard to figure out, to be honest with you. I know I have my take on it, and we'll discuss all the possible – uh, things that could have happened, but Big 12, Memphis, um, College AD last week had first reported that Big 12 officials and Brett Yormark made it to Memphis. Uh, Brett Yormark has since uh, said that that did not happen. Following what was on our show on Friday with Dennis Dodd from CBS, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports, he said that it did not happen. He got it straight from Brett Yormark, but we're going to try to get through this. And uh, Did it happen or did it not happen? Where, where do you stand? We'll figure that all out. Um, also, NBA Finals, um, we have a potential closeout opportunity. And with a closeout opportunity comes Joss suspension news. So do we want a closeout opportunity tonight? We want to figure that out soon, sooner than later, right? But Game 5 is tonight, um, and Denver holds it all. 3-1 at home, chance to uh, make sure the Heat go home sort of empty-handed like they have for – uh, quite a while with this iteration that they've had with Jimmy Butler. We'll discuss that. Also, we have some coaching notes. Darko Ryakovich, who has been the lead assistant for Taylor Jenkins past couple years here in Memphis, he takes a job in Toronto. So he good for him. But that actually does leave a spot open that is eh, you're going to have to find someone with the same juice, same ability to develop players, same ability uh, to coach offense as Darko. And that's going to be really tough to do. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock per normal. We'll try to get through the Source Wars discussion with him. And then 6 o'clock, Parker Fleming will join. Um, he, has, he has since left um, Grizzly Bear Blues, but he now does his own sub stack that you can subscribe to, sub Sacalitas. And also, he has a podcast on the Fan First Sports Network that would be taking care of Grizzness. He'll join at 6 o'clock before we hop into the Blitz, and we have plenty to get to in the Blitz including Saquon Barkley, who will not report to Giants minicamp. And <sighs> uncomfortable conversations will have to be had today, Connor, I think, on off-season football leagues. XFL losing $60 million in year one. And I, th- like, I thought, like, generally speaking, I thought the XFL had some juice about it. ESPN contract. Uh, I like the business people behind it with, with The Rock, Danny Garcia, I, it had some decent names in the I mean, Josh Gordon was in there. You have, a, you have some guys that have been backups in the NFL before. Ben DiNucci made his way back. Um, but XFL lost $60 million in year one. That is not a – it's not good. It's not good. If you're, not great. Yeah. If you're, if, you're, if you're trying to tally at home and figure out if that's good or bad, that's bad. That's bad. But also we'll get to the rewind at the bottom of the show. Now, Memphis of the Big 12, um, or – Big 12 officials coming to Memphis. Did it happen or did it not happen? We had a report from College AD at the beginning of last week. The Big 12 officials did a due diligence visit to Memphis. They talked about being on campus, Board of Regents, meeting with them, seeing uh, plans for the stadium. Um, But then Dennis Dodd came on the show on Friday, 
right here on the Gabe Coon Show and said that that did not happen, and it caused a stir. It really did cause a stir. It caused so much of a stir that Pete Thamel and Dennis Dodd reached out to Brett Yormark for comment. And Friday at 7.13, 13 minutes after the show ended, Pete Thamel, lead college football writer for ESPN, senior college football writer for ESPN, tweeted out, just spoke to Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark about the multiple, multiple reports that the Big 12 has met with Memphis. And Brett Yormark said, quote, I've never met with anyone at Memphis about adding them to the Big 12, nor have I been on campus, end quote. So there's two ways, in my opinion, to read this. One, you take him at his word. You take that he's telling the full truth. He's not leaving anything out. And you say, okay, well, this never happened. College AD was reporting that was complete nonsense. That's one way to read it. And I don't blame you if you read it that way. It seems like pointed. Like he's pointing you in a direction of what he wants you to think, and you're believing it, and that's okay. The other way to believe this is let's think about what he's not saying, right? I don't think he's lying with saying he's never met with anyone at Memphis about adding them to the Big 12, nor has he been on campus. I don't think he's lying but I don't think he's telling the whole truth in that, right? Pay attention to what he didn't say. He says he hasn't talked with anybody from Memphis, meaning he could have talked to big donors. He could have talked to other people involved with the University of Memphis that are not directly employed by the University of Memphis. He didn't talk to anyone in the athletic department. And also he says, nor have I been on campus. I think that is sort of the the kicker here. He says, I have never been on campus. You could have been in Memphis, though. You could have been anywhere in Memphis. It's very reasonable to assume or believe that Brett Yormark and a couple of right-hand men came to Memphis, talked with big donors, knew some big guys around the city, whether that be Fred Smith, uh, other people from around the city that donate to the University of Memphis. It's not hard to believe. It's very reasonable to believe that he met with those people away from campus. It didn't have to be an on-campus meeting and discussions with Laird Veach about what happened or, 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 or potentially getting into the Big 12. It could have been about what money could be given to the Big 12 if Memphis were to get into the conference. And these discussions have been open for quite a while, Connor. If you remember, in 2016, there was a report about Fred Smith uh, wanting Memphis to get into the Big 12, and he would sponsor the Big 12 championship, the Big 12 title game in football. So these, these lines of communication have been open. And... While I think Brett Yormark is telling the truth, I don't, t- I don't think he's telling us everything, uh, the, the full truth, if you will. I tend to agree with you. You know, I thought that if what happened on the show with, with Dennis Dodd, I, I thought that the University of Memphis would have said, like, you know, we did meet with them, things like that. That would have happened if there was actually no meeting or no discussion that took place. I think that Yormark was very, very careful with his word choice. I think it's very similar to how Adam Silver has been very careful with his word choice, and you have to kind of read between the lines here, but I think that you nailed it. Just because he said that he wasn't on campus, just because he said he didn't meet with Memphis people, doesn't mean he wasn't in Memphis, doesn't mean he didn't meet with people connected From to Memphis. Memphis, yeah. right. Yeah, like there's a lot of people here that live in Memphis that have never been to Graceland, but Graceland is still in Memphis, you know what right. I mean? It's, 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 you know, so I think that a meeting probably did happen. And again, like going back to it with the University of Memphis, it would look really bad if they didn't come out and completely deny There's too much smoke. Yeah, it would look really bad if nothing transpired and they didn't get out in front of it and say, if they let us, the media, run with it for three, four days 
and just let us run with it, it just does not come back and look good on them if they didn't deny it in that meantime. So I, I just don't get why, I don't get what would be in it for them to keep it in the news cycle if nothing actually happened. I think it would ultimately just be a negative on them when it comes to potentially getting into the Big 12. Now again, discussions about Memphis getting into the Big 12, if you do believe that Big 12 officials were in town, yeah, I don't know which way to lean on that. I still would lean, if it were going to happen, it would have happened by now. I still lean that way. There's been discussions with big donors, Fred Smith, the whole nine yards in the past, and Memphis has still gotten skipped in line and ultimately not gotten in. Um, But when we look at just sort of what could potentially happen, Big 12 is at 12 teams right now after adding the four, you know, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. What do they want to get to? Brett Yarmark has talked about strength in numbers. They're they're coveting schools in the Pac-12 and the four corners, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Colorado and Arizona seem to be the most likely to jump immediately. Arizona State and uh, Utah seem to be waiting around. But if Colorado's most ready to jump, which is what it seems like, you have an uneven number at 13. If we're talking about the Tigers getting in to the Big 12, I think a lot of things would have to go their direction. It would have to do with other schools around the country, namely in the Pac-12, denying the Big 12 saying we do not want to jump. And this would have to do with the Pac-12 getting a good media rights deal together, which I don't know what's really going to happen there. There's been a lot of reporting back and forth. I mean, we've had Ion TV as a potential report, CW, you don't, you know, full streaming, Apple TV. We've had all of those discussions about the Pac-12 and where they're going to put their media rights deal, and nothing's come to fruition. But if the Pac-12 ultimately stays together, I think that works in the Tigers' favor. I think that works in the Tigers' favor. But if you have an uneven number, if Colorado jumps immediately, Arizona stays back, I think they just have to have a certain amount of those four corner schools deny, deny, deny to ultimately get in the discussion. And if we're reading through how secretive it seems like, if you do believe Big 12 officials were in Memphis, if you read through how secretive they're trying to make this, I don't know if that's – like, I would vote that that's something that does not bode well for the University of Memphis ultimately getting into the Big 12 because they took a visit to UConn on campus earlier this off. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. 
Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Season. A football offseason, I should say. And no one denied it. No one denied it. That would that would signal signal to me that even a, a school like UConn could potentially jump the line on Memphis because obviously Big Twelve Brett Yormark think that there's a a unlocked uh, there, there's some potential that needs to be unlocked in basketball still. But that would signal to me, based on absolutely nobody denying that Big Twelve officials and Brett Yormark were on campus at UConn, that would tell me that they're probably ahead in line. Yeah, I was going to ask you your opinion on why you think the Big 12, like let's say that a meeting did happen, like just for the sake of this conversation, why is it so important for them to keep it a big secret that they're having discussions with Memphis, even if it wasn't with Memphis officials or on campus? But, you know, the rumor is pretty clear that they were they were talking to somebody in Memphis about the Big 12. Don't want hopes up and you don't want to if you are moving <laughs> the type of money. Failed. That you don't, if you're moving the type of money that, that the Big 12 is moving and these big donors are moving the type of money that they could potentially move, you don't want to signal and show people your hand. If you're the Big 12 and you want to add all these schools, you don't want to you don't want to show your hand to everybody. I know there's been certain situations where they have. They've talked about Gonzaga and UConn. They've been very open about that. Um, but I, I think ultimately you just don't want to don't want to let people know what your plans could potentially be if things fall through the whole nine. Um, but again, point being, I I, I have trouble viewing the uh, the 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 hoops they're jumping through to keep this secretive I have trouble viewing those in any positive way I agree I agree yeah I I don't think that they're a positive thing for Memphis because if it was a positive thing they'd be like yeah we met with Memphis we met with Memphis to me it seems like them keeping it secretive is them one like you said they're not wanting to lose any leverage they may have with other schools they may not want to spook away any other schools for some reason maybe having Memphis involved might a team might be like you know what I'm good like I'm good if you're y'all going to take Memphis why are we even in this conversation that's that's what I'm talking about right. showing your hand right if if you if especially you, a school like UConn who was very similar to Memphis yeah and and also with UConn I do get the sense okay maybe Brett Yormark wants them in for basketball power and maybe they could lift their football Credibility if they get into the Big Twelve from ultimately. dog S to just yes S. to just S yes yeah. um, they'd still be at the bottom of the Big Twelve <laughs> um, but I, I feel like Brett Yarmark may want that but the rest of the presidents and people involved in the Big Twelve I'm not sure if they're on board with that and then on the UConn side how much have you heard I've I've heard this I've heard this the entire time I mean through the AAC getting back into the Big East you know going independent of football. That fan base and the people in that athletic department really like where they stand right now in the Big East at UConn. Really? Yeah, they like the Northeastern recruiting sort of ground they have. That was a big reason they were able to capitalize in basketball the way they have they, the way they did this year, this past year. Um, and I don't know if they have like a big appetite to get back into the football conversation. They left the AAC for for a reason. Obviously, they wanted to strengthen the recruiting in the Northeast. Um, for basketball, but ultimately they were sort of giving up on football. Do they want to get back into the business of taking football seriously? I don't. I don't see that as being the case. They had a good run at the beginning of the early 2000s, a little bit into the 2010s in the Big East. They were solid. Randy Edsall did a really good job. But since then, it feels like everybody 
sort of involved with that athletic department, fans have given up and not really wanted to latch themselves onto that football program in the slightest. So I, hopping back into the Big 12 would make you take that seriously. Yeah, it seems like that they don't really care about football at all. Like, getting it back to being mediocre at best is their goal. That's all they really care about. They don't really they're, they don't view football as a successful or, I think, a money-making endeavor for them. Even though it could be. In theory. In yeah. theory. Like, you know. Yeah, but the ba- but the but the basketball power is what what gets people to to latch onto that right. that program well, that it, university it, as a whole. Especially just coming off of a national championship, like you understand why your mark looks at them and they're like basketball. Like it makes but, sense. And also for the Big Twelve, he keeps doing this basketball conference thing. First of all, I think Memphis would fit that billing of helping strengthen a ba- uh, the best basketball conference in the in the country. Absolutely, but. How much more can you strengthen it? Like, does it really matter if you double down on basketball? I just don't know if that's if that's the the money making venture that your mark thinks. I think most people, uh, most other reasonable thinkers, uh, the, at the presidential level, at the AD level, and the Big Twelve realize that that's not going to. Ma- if you add Gonzaga as a basketball only, if you add UConn um, to the fold, that's not really going to. It's not going to be the money maker that he thinks it could potentially. It be. still feels like at the end of the day he can say that all he wants to, but football is football the thing that drives this. Everything. It's what ro- drives it, and that's why I think if you're not if you're not on par here in the next ten years in football and your supposed power conference, you're going to get left behind. Right. Well, and I think that's why being you know an alum of Memphis, a fan of Memphis, it can be frustrating because it does feel like Memphis has exactly what they need. It does. It feels like they have what they need. They have a passionate fan base they have a melting pot of a city to where you're gonna get eyeballs on it you've got a stadium that's going to get renovations soon you have a very good uh, basketball program you have a very good football program that has now a track record of over a decade of being successful and it just feels like they're right here ready for the taking and we just can't get anybody to commit it's driving and so I understand the frustration I understand why even the rumor of having them in the city can get people fired up because it feels like that it's inevitable that eventually they're going to make the jump, but you just got to find the right. You just got to find the right spot. You just want, don't want to get left behind because eventually, if you get left behind too many times, it, it feels like it may not ever happen. Well, I think everybody's there, right? The fan base has PTSD. So it bad, sucks, Connor. dude. It Everyone sucks. Everyone has PTSD. I mean, dating back to the SEC, for God's sake, like everybody has PTSD over getting to where they want from a conference alignment standpoint. I will say this. I think there's a lot of thoughts out there about how Memphis gets in, and I I totally see the thought process behind, okay, the Pac-12 schools deny deny jumping to the Big 12 and and Memphis could be in a good spot. I'm telling you, I think the best way forward, even if those schools decide they want to jump to the Big 12, is if the Big 12 decides, hey, to to hell with sort of the pot and and thinking about – um, spreading out the pot between certain schools. We just need to get as many schools as we can, power schools in here as we can that we think have good futures so we can be well aligned, well taken care of for the future of college athletics as, as we get into a potential super conference era and everything else. If, if, the, if the Big 12 can get to 16 to 18 to 20 schools, that's, that's where Memphis falls into this thing. Now, can I put you on the spot here for a second with a question? Yeah. I saw, you know, because the conversation – really popped off. It happened with our show with the Dennis Dodd interview. A lot of people were talking about the Big 12 last week and over the weekend, Memphis, things like that, and rumors. And a few people were asking the question, why is it beneficial for Memphis to be in the Big 12? Why does Memphis want to be in the Big 12? I know the answers may be obvious, but I think it may be important 
for you to maybe break down as a someone that used to be in that locker room, be in the program, why so would it be beneficial to Memphis to be in the Big 12? Here's what you hear, um, and I've heard a lot of this, is that, oh, if Memphis makes it to the Big 12, it'll just be the AAC+. Plus. Mm-hmm. It'll just be the AAC+. Plus. But go look at their payout per school, up in the $30 million range. Compared to here in the AAC, you're talking about $10 million, whatever, barely, barely touching that number. Just go look at the money. Go look at it where you the opponents you'd bring in every single week, and go look at what Power Five opponents draw to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium every single time they're in town. I keep bringing up the ridiculous example because I think it, it it lands even better than Ole Miss or Mississippi State or or UCLA for that matter. Duke, Duke football program, which is just historically bad. In 2013, my red shirt year came in. To, uh, it was the Liberty Bowl at that time. Came into the Liberty Bowl. 45,000 deep is what Memphis did to turn out to a damn Duke game. For a team, for a University of Memphis football team that was 4-8 th- and eight the year before. If you bring in power conference schools every single week, the turnout, the fan base, how much it gets them to come out, what it could potentially do economically for the city. As far as getting people out of their house into into local restaurants, bars, into the, the stadium in general. The influx of money could be substantial. And I, I, I said this on Twitter. If you don't understand that, I think you certainly need to butt out of the conversation. I really do believe that. The Big 12 is a better opportunity for the University of Memphis long-term in athletics. You have to be able to see that. And if you can't, I, 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 I question your, your know-how and your understanding of how these things work. If the Memphis can get it, if Memphis can get into the Big 12, they would be way better off for it. That's as simple as I can put it, Connor. Think that answers the question? I think that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For Money. Sure. Yes. It's 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 what it's where we're at in college athletics. Yeah. Follow the money. You'll find where where people will try to angle themselves into getting. You'll find how conference alignment could potentially end up. I mean, just. Money, money runs everything. I think another thing that is important too is everybody should understand. You that. talked about you don't want to be one of the schools that get left behind, so you want to get in as soon as you can. Yes, the first true. chance you get, make the jump. Yep, no question about it. Now, um, moving on, let's. We have other things to discuss, and that would be the NBA Finals, and also we have some NBA coaching news we're going to have to get to. But the Finals, three-one game five tonight could be a closeout opportunity, and uh, the Heat are saying desperate. Times may call for some desperate measures, and that may have to do with Tyler Hero tonight. We'll discuss all of that on the other side right here on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back rolling on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We have Heat versus Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Game five tonight. Closeout opportunity for the Nuggets to get their first championship in franchise history for Nikola Jokic. I mean, have we thought about once the Nuggets get it done? Because I do believe they'll get it done tonight or in game six. 
Have we thought about the insane conversations that are going to come up about Nikola Jokic's all-time standing? The legacy discussions about Nikola Jokic? We're about to be off our rocker the entire offseason about what he could potentially accomplish. Oh, yeah. It's, it's about to be leading all the shows. You know, it's, is Nikola Jokic the best foreign player of all time? Is he the best player in the world right now? Is, you know... What does Joel Embiid's MVP look like now? Is yep. this how was this finals hard to win? Was it easy to win? All the stupid conversations. Yes, I want to get. I want them to finish it off tonight, though. I the full disclosure. I want them to finish it off tonight so we can get a jump start on those conversations so they start to fade as the as the off season bears on and we get the summer league and the whole nine yards. And also, I want it to end tonight so we can get the Joss suspension news. Do you think we get a Joss? Are they going to wait twenty four hours? You think 24 hours? I, th- I think there I should think be a grace period. I feel like it's going to be Friday. I do get a kick out of the fact, like, could you imagine if he did it the next day? Like, don't even get, you give it 24 hours for the, for the Nuggets to celebrate their first championship in franchise history before you tell everybody, tell the world about John Moran. Michael Malone might come to Memphis and start waving around a gun if that happens. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Yeah, he might, uh, he, he, he won't be all that happy. But all right, Nuggets win. <laughs> Game three and game four. Um, and now tonight it looks like Tyler Hero is expected to return. I don't know what he can really provide in the grand scheme of things. But game four was 108-95 Nuggets. They went 2-0 and on the road against the Heat. They don't care. They don't care. Like, the, you have these teams sometimes that the role players will struggle on the road. They'll be good at home. That's normal for everybody. It doesn't matter for the Nuggets. You can't really tell the difference between their their road games and their home games. They play very similarly. They're all put together. They have some uh, nice veteran pieces in KCP and Jeff Green that know how to play in playoff basketball and championship basketball. Aaron Gordon stepped up on the road in game four in a massive way, had 27-7-6, and and hell, my guy! Bruce Brown, my guy. Legacy game. That's a legacy game for Bruce Brown. Absolutely. Full, full legacy, legacy quarter. Game. Yes, 21-4-2, a steal and a block. And I have to play this because this is hilarious. This was Nikola Jokic talking about Bruce Brown and what he was able to accomplish after the game. Uh, he had uh, he had an amazing night, and uh, he was really aggressive in the fourth quarter, and that's what that's – what, uh, him and him and Aaron were really, really, really good. I mean, they were they were amazing. When he did a step back three, I almost I wanted to punch him, but when he made it, I was so happy. Uh, and uh, you know, he's the same same as Aaron. You know, he he's uh, he's learning and he is accepting, and that's what the best thing is uh, in, uh, about him. Uh, he he was he was really good tonight, aggressive, you know, attacking and not being scared of the moment. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I would, I, you know, did you see the live reaction to the Bruce Brown step back three from Nikola Jokic? I, I did. He when put he his, his hands. Yeah. He put, he's like had his hands on his head, then he put them down, and then when he made it, the towel started waving the towel. But no, I don't doubt he wanted to punch him. Is that a shot that you? This is a Patrick Ewing thing. Is, is that a shot you practice? Do you practice that shot? I guess he does. He knocked it down. But Bruce Brown was phenomenal. I know a lot has been said back and forth about Aaron Gordon uh, since they made that trade a couple years back. But he really has been, in the grand scheme of just what he provides that team, he's been one of the guys I'd put at the forefront of why they're on the precipice of winning a championship. The defensive – 
side of of the of the game, he's phenomenal. He's great on the perimeter. He can guard Jimmy Butler. He can go down low, bang with you. He can rebound. He's generally speaking making the smart play. He shoots with efficiency. He doesn't shoot a whole lot. The volume's not crazy. If he's missing shots, he doesn't put them up. But damn, man, like I, I remember when that trade was made and how many people said, oh, this is going to put them over the top. I doubted it for a long, long time. But now I see what the vision was the entire time with Aaron Gordon, especially after that game. Yeah. To be fair to you, though, they had to fill in the other pieces around them. You know, because I think one of the reasons he's allowed to be so successful and is so successful in his role is because you have the guys like Bruce Brown. You have the guys like KCP. So he just needs to focus on his job, especially defensively and on the offensive end. Here is the trade that they got Aaron Gordon for. The Nuggets got Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark for Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and a 2025 first-round pick. That is high-way <laughs> theft right there, That's ladies and gentlemen. Robbery. Aaron Gordon is the perfect big that you want to have next to Nikola Jokic because, like you said, he is efficient on the offensive end, but he also does the dirty work on the defensive end. He's going to get those rebounds. He's going to defend the bigger guys, the more athletic guys, so the Jokic can just be down there, get rebounds, throw his big body around. Aaron Gordon's going to take care of the fine details, though, on the defensive end, and he's just been tremendous throughout this entire playoffs. When you go back and you look at the matchups that he has had so far, it, it's honestly it's kind of stunning that he's been able to play at this high of a level all four series so far. And, and what he did the other night, like, and he can also knock down a three. Yep. That's, he's, he has been able to he, expand his game in Denver in such an important way to that team. Yes, and he had to. There's, one, there's two lessons I want to and he's steal four years, 86. There, there's, there's two lessons I want to take from this. One, Aaron Gordon, when he was with the Magic, was number two scorer, put up a lot of shots. People were wondering if he was a winning player, if he could really grow into that. And he's accepted every bit of his role with the Nuggets. There's been no questions. Night to night, he's going to be the fourth scorer, and he's accepted that. And if he has to step up, he'll step up and go 11 for 15, 27-7-6 like he did the other night in the NBA Finals game. But I think the other lesson there is the name you brought up in that trade was Gary Harris. And the Nuggets, Nuggets fans, that franchise, have been so latched on to what Gary Harris could provide them. Good three-point shooter, decent perimeter defender, really played within himself. Uh, and was a, just an all-around good player for them for some years. Jamal Murray has said in the past, talking about uh, Gary Harris, he wishes Gary Harris was still around so he could get a ring, right? They, they had a good relationship. But the Nuggets didn't hesitate to move off of him for the, right, for the right guy. They didn't hesitate. They said, to hell with it. I don't care what it looks like right now. We need to go get this guy for our future, and that's what ultimately – Got them over the hump. Gary Harris, if he was still there and they didn't have Aaron Gordon, this would not be the same Nuggets team. This Nuggets team would not be in the position they're in now. But because they were willing to offload a guy that may have been beloved by them, by a lot of people around Denver, because they offloaded him for the right piece, they have another guy that that could get them to where they wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Gary Harris and you look at Bruce Brown, they're very similar players. Bruce Brown's like a springy version of Gary Harris, a little bit more high-energy version of Gary Harris. So, yeah, like you said, they went out, they used him to get that piece that they wanted to. And, again, we've talked about how we think that the Grizzlies could kind of look at what the Nuggets have done and follow the blueprint in a way. They have their guys there. 
They've already got the pillars that they want to build around. So make marginal moves for the wing position. Go and get your guy. Don't hesitate. If the guy's out there, even if it's a beloved player, Tyus Jones, even if it's a beloved player, go and get that guy. Go and get him. Do not stop your plan because of what may happen with John Morant. I don't think that's what they're going to do. But again, as we have seen throughout these playoffs, Throughout these finals, the Nuggets laid out the blueprint for the Memphis Grizzlies, how they can operate and and, and make these marginal moves. It doesn't have to be some big move. It doesn't have to be some superstar wing player. It can be that fourth score that can change your entire franchise. Yep. Now, um, on the other side for the Heat, they've lost six of their last eight. I should have seen this coming. Since the first three games of that Celtics series, I'm not saying they haven't played with the same edge, but they haven't played well. They have not played good basketball. Night to night, you're not getting the same uh, out of a guy like Max Struess who has shot 20% on open threes in this series. He's been awful. Bam, night to night. He had seven turnovers the other night. But the consistency is just not there from this team, and it shouldn't be surprising because they willed themselves in a lot of ways to where they're at right now. They weren't consistent during the regular season. This is who they were all year. So they were all year. They just had a good, a nice stretch of a month to get themselves to this place, to this opportunity. And obviously, hats off to them. But everything we've said about this series, from game, you know, game two when they thought Jokic uh, was figured out, then you got to game three and you saw the Nuggets just absolutely hammer them on their home floor. Everything we've said about this series, about the talent discrepancy, the size discrepancy. Um, you know the heat and and their 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 mental edge not being able to affect the Nuggets. All that all that stuff is fully true. I thought that throughout that entire Celtics series, even though the Celtics came back and tied it at three to three after being down three zero, I always thought the Heat had the mental advantage. Mm-hmm. Heat don't have the mental advantage in this series no, at they all. They not. cannot bother Nikola Jokic. You can't bother Jamal Murray. You can't bother Aaron Gordon. You can't bother KCP. Jeff Green. Just keep going down the list. You can't bother any of these guys. They're unflappable. They really—they're the best team in basketball this year, and, and and there's a reason they're in this spot right now. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. You know, I thought that throughout the Celtics series, the Heat, even when the Celtics were coming back, always believed in themselves and that they could beat the Boston Celtics. I thought that they thought that they, even if they may not have been the quote unquote quote more talented team, they thought that they had the mental edge. They thought that they could play better, beat that team. I don't think that they think that with the Denver Nuggets. To right. me, it feels like they've been trying to talk themselves into being yep. able to beat the Heat or beat the Nuggets. There's, there's been a lot more like public talk, if that makes any sense. Like public, like we believe in ourselves, we can get this done, all that stuff. The Heat being here is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. They deserve to be here. They won those 12 games. But at the end of the day, the clock has struck midnight. Yes, it is. The clock has struck it's midnight. True, man. The, the story is and over here. The I story is it, over. And it does kind of, it's a little bit... It's a little bit depressing in the fact that Jimmy Butler was so phenomenal throughout the entirety of these playoffs, and then the ankle injury right. has hampered him so much in this series. He just hadn't been the same guy. He played well His Friday. His attacking he style tried. and getting to the free throw line is what makes him great, and he can't do that necessarily. And he played great. He did play well the other night but uh, in a 13-point in a loss. And it, like getting to the free throw line was what he was doing so well through the first three rounds, really. And... He can't do that in this series. He just, he just, he, the aggression because of uh, probably being sort of the, the nicks and bruises 
the aggression has gone away to a certain extent. That hurts me for him. Well, and stop me if you've heard us say this before. Sometimes basketball is a simple sport. It's a complicated sport, but sometimes it's very simple. They don't hit their threes anymore. Yeah. It's that simple, y'all. The, um, the Heat have lost six of their last eight, and when you go back and you look at those games, the six losses, almost all of them, is because they haven't been hitting their shots. Yeah. It's, it's that simple, y'all. If they're going to hit, if they hit and, 49% of their threes, guess what? They're going to have a chance to win a game. So Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, the past two games, only have 12 points combined. Sheesh. And four for 27 from the field. Max Struess not even hitting his open looks, 20% on open threes. And again, like this, this is what happens when you have a bunch of certifiable role players, undrafted free agents, and you're asking them to play over their head for too long. You want them to win 16 games to win you a championship, and they can only be, they can only win you 13, right? Like it's just what you run into when you got you have guys that just have less talent, and they get run off the three point line, they get uncomfortable. And from three, they were two for ten. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, they were two for ten. In game three, and they were 0 for 7 in game four. They've just come back down to earth in a massive way, and you're not going to be able to get over this Nuggets team if those guys aren't showing up. Those are starters. Those are starters, and they're not playing like starters right now. And that's why I understand the idea of maybe Tyler Hero can give us something because they're giving you nothing. So if he gives you something, it's better, right? <laughs> Something's better than nothing. But. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> to find something. How many minutes can he play? That's true. That's first. Well, and let's, let's, just, let's, let's spitball about that. How many minutes? 15? I don't know. I'm thinking 15 to 20. Okay, 15 to 20, and you could maybe push it, get to 22 if he's playing well. Defensively, what's he going to do against this Nuggets team? That's the question. Nothing. That's the question. Who Nothing. do you put him on? Who do you put him on? And, and, and theoretically, if you're trying to knock down a bunch of three balls, like who do you sub him in for? How do you go about playing your lineups? How small can you you afford get, to play. See, that's another thing. You have to go small. If you want to play him, you're going to have to go small again. And you can't afford to play and you can't small. Go small. You can't play small and against that's why, this Nuggets team. And that's why I think you and I have both been somewhat frustrated by the notion that you can figure out this Denver Nuggets team because you're not going to figure out this Nuggets team. You have to beat them. You have to go out there and you have to beat them. I think that Eric Spolstra has done a tremendous job getting this team set up and, and ready. His game plans have been very good. They've been competitive in these games for a reason. They stole one for a reason. Yes, they hit yes. 49% of their threes. But their game plan was sound. But at the end of the day, you have to just beat the Nuggets. But you're not gonna. It, you're not gonna get some weird, well, tricky scheme, way to get them. You, you just can gotta, scheme. If Michael Malone's not as good of a coach as he is, and you're coaching against Joe Mazzulli, your right, favorite guy, exactly. Maybe you can go with series like you did, like you did in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. Like if you have a bad coach on the other side who can't adjust to your adjustments, you're fine. But Michael Malone's too good for that. Right. And Nikola Jokic in himself is too good for that. He right. can adjust on the fly in game, tell his guys what to do. And, like, I, I could see where, like, the only reason, I'm going to be honest, obviously you shot really well in game two if you're the Heat. But the only reason I feel like the Heat were able to get over top is, is Eric Spolster telling Bam Adebayo, hey, you're going to have to take Jokic all night. That's what we're going to do. We're going to put you on an island. He's going to score on you. He's going to have a ridiculous stat line, but we're going to have to have everybody glued on the rest of the four players, right? Like his, I think ultimately his adjustments in game two got them over the top, and they did what no one else could do throughout the rest of the, the playoffs. They beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver. But once you get three, four games into a series, how many more adjustments can you make? Michael Malone sees what you're trying to do on film. Nikola Jokic sees what you're trying to do on film. Jamal Murray sees what you're trying to do on film. And they can adjust. But, like, you can't throw anything new at them three, game three, game four, game five. 
There's just nothing else that you can – I mean, it can work in the interim. Like I've said, trying to stop Jokic or figuring out Jokic is a short-term endeavor. You can do it for a couple of possessions for a quarter, for a half, hell. But you're not going to do it for really a full game or a full series. It's not – especially with the, amount, with the lack of talent you have on your side if you're the Miami Heat. You just, you just, you're just working at a deficit that you can't make up. Well, and the Nuggets have just the the perfect duo for the inside out game, and they like they have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray running their offense. Both guys are getting ten plus assists per game. That ball is always moving. So if you stop them on the inside, they're going to get you on the outside. If you stop on the outside, they're going to get you on the inside. They're, it's just one of those teams that they can kind of change to whatever they need to to beat you. It's so difficult to play against a team like that because they are able to adjust so much. They have such long bodies. They have a multitude of wing guys. I mean, Jeff Green is giving you good minutes right now in the NBA Finals. Like, that is a big deal for the Denver Nuggets. Again, the Miami Heat deserve a ton of credit for getting where they were. But eventually, I just I think that the clock struck midnight on yep. them. It really did. And I don't think that they stink. I don't think that people need to trash them. Yeah, Max Struess is playing terribly right now, but it's not like we've seen bad, we've seen bad performances in the Finals before. If you really want to talk about it, he helped get them there. Like, he's one of yep. the reasons they're there. But if they're not going to make their threes, they're not going to win games. I, I it's res- that simple. And I'll, I'll put it this way. I respect everything about Heat culture and what they've been able to create with seven undrafted free agent players playing throughout these NBA playoffs and giving you good minutes. But at some point, we do have to have a discussion about getting to this point. It's about the makeup of their team. Yes. They don't have enough to beat the Denver Nuggets. They do not. And especially if your main player, your mainstay, Jimmy Butler, has an ankle injury. There's just too much to overcome. They can't overcome it. And I do have to give one more shout-out, though, for Jamal Murray. He may have – he really was not good shooting the ball. Yeah, he was 5 for 17. But if you go look at the stat line, what really just jumps off, in a night where Nikola Jokic had four assists, and I've, I've told you about the statistics – when, when, when Nikola Jokic has less than five assists. They had lost their last nine. So they're now um, one and nine in their last ten when Nikola Jokic has five or less assists. But Jamal Murray had 12 assists, zero turnovers. He was orchestrating everything for them. He was phenomenal. They didn't need to get it from Jokic because they could get it from Jamal Murray. And, and that's, that's, that's always been there, and there's the adjustment for you. Right? This is just ultimately – Goes back to what I'm saying. Just too much talent on that Nugget side for the for the Heat to overcome their lack of talent. Just too much. There's just too much. Now, let's go ahead and grab a break. When we come back, it'll be time to bring on Jeff Calkins. We'll try to talk about Source Wars, NBA Finals. There's a bunch to get to on the other side. 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.